welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Over the last 10 weeks, protesters right across Slovenia have flocked to the streets of their cities to protest against the newly installed right-wing government there. In addition to the generalised economic pressures brought about in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Slovenia is not a country commonly featuring in the international press, so you probably didn't notice the mass movement of tens of thousands of people protesting out of a total population of 2 million. So on Accent of Women today, we're going to look at what's happening in Slovenia. My guest is Nika Kovac, who is the director of the 8 March Institute. And that's a political research institute focusing on social divisions and using political economy and feminist theory. As well as political research, the Institute is involved in direct and collective action. Here is Nika Kovac. In Slovenia, um, there are interesting times um, uh, because I think that two things come together. So. Um, from one point of view, there is the COVID-19 crisis, which is difficult, um, I think, in every single country. And on the other hand, um, one day after um, the lockdown came into Slovenia, um, we got a new government. This is the right-wing government. Um, uh, actually, our prime minister is prime minister for third time, and he's known like for many cor- corruptions. He's known for um, using hate speech. He's known for um, his um, spreading of hate for many years in Slovenia. And um, when they came into the power, um, everything changed. Um, With the previous government on the press conferences about the COVID-19, actually the doctors were speaking, the experts were speaking, the Institute for Public Health was involved, but they cut them down immediately and the politicians started to speak with us. Um, And also in Slovenia, um, in the first week of crisis, what was really good, to see um, is that people start organizing themselves because they um, saw that they will lost everything. Precarious workers, um, people who are self-employed started to um, build communities on Facebook and um, they start talking about like um, they money that they don't have money that they don't have jobs anymore Um, but the government in the first week um, just raised the wages of the ministers and um, uh, basically of themselves so I think that this was the first point where people were getting angry and the protest uh, protests basically began Um, with the protests from the windows. So uh, people um, wrote signs um, and took photos of them from like their balconies and their windows um, because um, uh, protests um, were were always made in a way which was allowed 
and which was actually good for uh, taking care of people du during this sickness. So uh, then um, in Slovenia, we didn't have like a lot of people who got COVID-19. So at one point, um, people went on their bikes and we started bicycling, not just in Ljubljana, across whole Slovenia. Uh, many cities are involved in those protests. So this was basically the beginning. How big have the protests been? Because it's difficult to get a sense from watching internationally if the protests are big by Slovenian standards or average. So what is your assessment? Three interesting things happen. Firstly, um, we have protests in many different cities. So they are not centered just in Ljubljana, but uh, people protest all across Slovenia. And this is something new that not just the capital is involved in that kind of movement, but also really, really small villages and um, cities. The second thing is that the protests are permanent. They're happening every single Friday. Um, and more and more people are coming to the protests. Uh, the official um, numbers are that on every single uh, protest, there is uh, more than 10,000 people. So in Slovenia, we have 2 million inhabitants, and this is quite a lot because also some of the people didn't come because they were afraid of coming outside because of the virus. And the third thing is that um, the protests are self-organized there are many different groups there are many different interests but there is like a common sense of solidarity and a common sense that we don't want to have those elites taking our money taking our power I just want to talk about COVID-19 for a moment because you mentioned that it's not that widespread in Slovenia and you also talked a little bit um, about some lockdown measures. So how widespread is it and how is the government responding to um, the health pandemic? Yeah, so basically we had two different governments that were dealing with the COVID-19. Um, the first government... Uh, had press conferences with um, experts and we got a really good feeling like what is happening behind the virus, uh, what kind of numbers are behind everything and what is going on. But then the new government came and um, it failed completely when it like came to dealing with COVID-19. Um, the first problem is that um, we didn't have exact informations. So politicians were like doing more of the political propaganda than speaking about the reality. The second thing is that um, Slovenia failed really heavily when it um, came to elderly homes. Most of the like deaths um, and most of the disease was um, structured in those homes. There is also like a huge scandal that um, government forced people to write like um, lists of people who won't be treated if they got like COVID-19 because they are old and they have other diseases. 
government failed when it came to social security in Slovenia. Um, at the beginning, um, they didn't want to help self-employed. They didn't want to help precarious workers. Um, but then uh, the protests, protests uh, have been going on and the people organized them, themselves and we forced them that they helped also at the end, precarious workers and self-employed, but they left out students. They le they left out um, students' family families. They left out people who are working with the contract. Um, so actually, um, and the unemployment in Slovenia is getting higher and higher. So. Um, what I'm saying usually when I'm trying to analyze this period is that the social differences um, are now seen and they are deeper and deeper. So this is also what is happening. And the fourth thing is that a really huge scandal came out uh, about corruption. There was like uh, millions um, of uh, euros um, was thrown into the bins because government was buying the masks and everything um, from the wrong people who are family connected with them and things like this. So. Um, at one point they are getting richer and richer and people are suffering and suffering more and more. Now you also mentioned the new right-wing government. So a lot of the media is talking about this government being installed in Slovenia and I wanted to ask what does that mean? Uh, was there a democratic vote like a normal election? How did this come about? Yeah, so um, in Slovenia, um, we had elections, I think, three years ago, and um, the new government um, that we got was centrist. It was still neoliberal government, but um, there were social democrats in it, um, a centrist party, uh, um, um, and um, other parties. And then when um, the ex-prime minister resigned, um, uh, the, um, the new one had an option to form a government and um, the parties that went into the government promised to the voters at the election that they won't go to the right-wing government. So people are saying, this is not right. We didn't vote for you. Uh, we believe that you will do something else. So this is the story behind it. I see. I, I'm interested while we are speaking about this right-wing government that kind of came in by fiat or pseudo-democratic means. You know, there was an election. Um, there was a, a prime minister who resigned and then through the existing mechanisms, this uh, new right-wing government is there. But is the legacy of Nazism, is, is that being reignited in Slovenia? Did it ever go away? What is the situation with fascist forces, which we are seeing emerge everywhere? Hmm. Uh, I strongly believe in the difference between uh, the government and the um, like the official words and the feelings of the people um, because in Slovenia we have a really strong anti-fascist tradition um, and I think that there is like 
between the people, there is a lot of common sense about solidarity, about helping each other, and um, about um, some values such as like um, uh, social states. So we have public schools, we have public health system. Um, so I think that this is much, much stronger. But on the other hand, the problem is that um, right-wing groups and um, Nazis and people um, who are close to that kind of ideology um, are com coming to the um, to the uh, to our parliament. They they are having like um, place in the media. Uh, people can hear their voice, and um, in the moment of fear, in the moment of uncertainty, um, they are more like they are louder and louder and. Um, right now i think that um people are not afraid anymore to show that they agree with them and this is the problem we just had like a scandal at the last protests um a group of nazis came to it and one of them um was um showing the, their gestures so he was um doing those things and one teacher um he showed him his ass uh, actually he took his pants down and he um he wanted to symbolically show them that they are not important for the protests but right now what is happening is that the media is attacking this teacher he resigned from his work um he's getting death threats uh, but no one is speaking about that guy who is actually like a supporter of the Nazi ideology. Well, now, well, looking directly then at the um, protests on the streets, it sounds like um, the the COVID pandemic coupled with, well, the economic crisis has caused people to reach boiling point. What... Um, what what are the main demands of the protests? What do people want to see changed? Even if, for instance, they succeed in falling the government, what would what are the protesters wanting any new government to do? Yeah, I think that people are just fed up with the relations of power. So I think this is like something that we all have in common. Uh, that people are aware that it is not right that um, they cannot pay uh, for their rent and they cannot pay their bills, but there are people who are in positions of power for decades and they have everything. So I think this is the main message. And another message um, that can be heard on the protests is message for freedom, for freedom um, of speech and against um, repression. Uh, what is going on is also that the uh, behavior of the police changed. Um, they, um, they're, they're getting um, more violent. Um, they're putting 
sense on the, our main square. So um, even in time when there was like a rule of social distancing, um, they cut our main square into two halves because they were protect, protecting the building of the parliament. So um, basically they start like behaving like uh, they're in charge of taking care of the government, of the politicians, not people. Um, they're also um, punishing people at the protests. So um, people who uh, were like um, writing signs on the floor um, and people who were like just putting paper notes on the floor are getting um, punishments. And this is something that um, never happened before to be punished for expressing your opinion. And this is like one of the messages of the protests. We don't want to live in that kind of country. But my personal opinion is that in Slovenia, we have a long history of neoliberal governments, you know, of governments that like, even if they were liberal, even if they were taking care of human rights and everything, they didn't work with um, questions like poverty. They didn't work like with class questions. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. I'm speaking with Nika Kovac, the director of the 8 March Institute, a political left-wing think tank in Slovenia that's also involved in social movements. We're talking about the 10-week strong weekly anti-government protest movement emerging in Slovenia. Let's try and give our listeners a sense of Slovenia demographically, economically, politically, uh, because we don't hear much about Slovenia in the international press. So why don't we start by looking at the country's economic and political situation? I know we've spoken a little bit about that, but um, you talked a bit about class relations and class divisions and poverty and unemployment. So uh, maybe let's start there. Okay, so... Actually, Slovenia is a really young country. Um, it's like, um, it's not even 30 years old now. So um, we were part of Yugoslavia and um, we have like a strong um, socialist tradition in terms of like um, having really strong so social states. So we have schools for free, we have public health system um, and um, those systems work quite well in Slovenia. So this is something that we are really proud of. And um, uh, we also have quite high um, level of equality between men and women, for example. Um, we don't have a big um, gender pay gap. Um, we have right to abortion written in our constitution. So abortion is free and it's legal in Slovenia. Uh, but um, on the other hand, what is happening is that during the decades of um, our like um, statehood, um, the privatization is starting to happening. Um, uh, the differences between people are getting bigger and bigger. In Slovenia, like the poorest uh, part of the inhabitants are like the single elderly women who are living alone um, out of the capital. Um, they have like pension around 
um, 250 euros. So they're mostly hungry. They don't have uh, sometimes even water. And um, we don't speak a lot about um, that kind of stuff because we are still really co convinced that we are like good state um, where people are li living quite okay. Um, so um, the problem also is that um, that we don't have like a lot of regular jobs for young people. So the level of uh, precariousness is really, really high. Um, and um, we have also a problem with housing. So the, um, the rents are higher and higher in Slovenia. I think that this is something that we are facing all across the world right now, but um, in Slovenia, these are like one of the permanent questions. What's the situation for trade unions? Are trade unions free? Are people able to freely organise in them, especially in privatised companies and even um, in the public service? So that would be workers organising effectively against the state employee employer. What others? What's the situation there? No, uh, we have like a long tradition of um, unions and. Um, we have a tradition of people joining them, um, so they are a part like of um, uh, our everyday life. So we don't have problem with this. Um, we have some problems with comp companies that are coming from outside, for example, as Lidl uh, and Hofer and like you know chains of the supermarkets. And uh, because there are like, we had just one scandal that um, they um, fired a trade unionist from one of those companies, but people are in Slovenia are getting angry because of that kind of stuff. So I think that the level of trust in trade unions is really high and we see them as something important. And what about press freedom? This issue of um, a free press is very topical right across the world and with um, uh, Facebook and Twitter platforms uh, dealing with, good or badly, trying to deal with this issue of fake news. What is the situation for press freedom um, and, and well-funded government press? Um, we have a national television. Um, which um, actually released the scandal about the corruption. So uh, during the um, during the COVID nineteen crisis, actually the trust of people into the national te uh, television is getting higher and higher. Um, but um, on the other hand, um, our like. Um, the party which is in power now um, is having their own television, um, which was founded with the money from Hungary. Um, they have really like tie relations with Orban. Um, and um, our prime minister is having um, his interview um, every single week on that television. And um, he's actually st starting to, um, speak about this television as something relevant and as something public and relevant. But 
what they're mostly doing is they're using hate speech they're attacking people and they're like just presenting their side of the story and lying around many different things so this is a huge problem well there i mean there is just so much going on in the world firstly thank you so much for um talking extensively about um, the situation in Slovenia. Like other countries in the world, the people of Slovenia are out on the streets, as we said before, reaching boiling point. Um, there are real class characteristics to all of the demonstrations everywhere that we're seeing them. Is Do you think there is an international unifying factor in these protests? Do you think we will ever find a way to connect them and unify them? I, I believe so. I believe that um, there is like, um, that we live in a really special moment um, in which we have a chance to build something different. I think that we can fail completely or we can do something like really, really amazing right now. Um, so my, um, in my opinion, I think that um, what is common is that there is a wish for a more democratic, more equal world. And for the first time, we know that um, we cannot achieve this uh, just through like liberal reforms. We cannot achieve this just um, uh, with speaking about um, uh, our rights, but we need like serious um, um, differences on the economic level um, and um, what is also new is that there is a lot of young people. I think that um, everything started with the um, uh, the environment movement and they're still on the streets, they're speaking, they're um, expressing their wish and they're not quiet. So I think that together we can move something. That was Nika Kovac, the director of the 8 March Institute, a political left-wing think tank in Slovenia that's also involved in direct action and social movements. We were talking about the 10-week strong weekly anti-government protest movement emerging there. And that brings us to the end of today's program of Accent of Women. This week's program was produced in my study at home with the incredible support of 3CR staff. I want to extend a very big thank you to them for ensuring that this program is still able to be heard right across the country. Accent of Women receives financial assistance from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.